This episode of the IGN UK podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get immersed in the new and exclusive production of one of the most recognisable sci-fi hits, Jeff Wayne's The War of the Worlds, the musical drama, starring Michael Sheen and Taron Egerton, only on Audible, November 29th. This is the IGN UK Podcast. My name is Gavin Murphy. I'm joined by Joe Scrabbles and Daniel J. Krupa. Hello. Hello. You're Gavin J. Murphy, aren't you? I am, yes. Yeah. Stands for genius. I've, yeah. I've got um, Jay at the front like an idiot. <laughs> uh, anyone bought anything in Black Friday? No. Black Friday when recording this? I was going to buy a sofa like a real grown-up man. Do they do those in Black Friday? I hear don't do Black Friday sales in the UK. Why? In the UK? Pieces of shit. Don't know. Yeah, they do it in Canada. I've looked up the Canadian deals. Yeah. They've got for Hayton's coming out of the arse. I Is that what you want for Hayton? I want for a Hayton corner sofa. Oh, bastards. I want a little bed. Kruber, what are you buying? Nothing. Well, we found out in the pub last night, actually, that um, it was quite funny. We were talking about Black Friday uh, with our sales and we were like, I was anyone buying anything? And I was like, oh, I've got my eye on a dog basket um, <laughs> and uh, a draining board. And Kruber like, lit up and he's like, let me see it. And I like, showed you. And then he had his phone like that. We turned around. We had the same draining board in our fucking... Uh, it's a lovely drying rack. It is really nice. Mate, it's I've got an extender in. on it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to get too deep into this chat, but new place... You've I've, got it as well. New yeah. place I've moved into has one of those racks that's above the sink. Ooh. I uh, love it. A drip down. Yeah. Drips right down, but what's it dripping on? Just the sink. Ah, it's that's where it's meant to go. It's so clever. This, this one's got, got a little fucking got, yeah. Um, it like collects all the water and then got a little tap. You can let it's it out. Got a little, that like, sounds like it's gonna be when you. I'd it's be got sick ca- every time. It's got a camber on it. Yeah, like you drain it out. Have, oh. you, have you ever had to do the drip tray in the coffee machine? No, I don't oh anywhere near it. Oh my god, it's a we, fucking nightmare. And I know it's just coffee. But you it know looks what? Evil. You know what really makes me wretch? Um, you know if you like, do you have a glass to keep your toothbrush in? Oh yeah, if you ever like clean. The one that, oh, oh, there's a. I use a brand of um, sort of cheap electric toothbrush, like one of those ones. It's like an electric toothbrush that lasts a bit, yeah. And then you yeah, throw yeah, it out yeah. and get a new one, just, yeah. But it's got loads of grooves on the back, oh, and they all eventually grim? they just collect all oh. the toothpaste that's dripped down. And at one point, I was like, This is disgusting, and I sat there with a pair, a pair of nail scissors and just dug it. Oh, oh. <laughs> you bastard! Oh. And then I ate it, put it in a suit, <laughs> and then you put it in your mouth. Oh. Um, if anybody is in London on December 16th come watch Joe yes it's a new performance art piece I'm working on (laughs) Tooth Boy Crispies Um, we're hosting a screening of The Prestige and a live podcast um, at the Rio Cinema Sunday December 16th at 12pm so we'll show the film then we'll do a podcast afterwards and then we'll all go in to the loading bar in Dalston for some booze afterwards get on the swigs get on the swigs I've quite honestly I, I, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. I don't think I've ever been this excited about anything at work, ever. ever. And I, we have fun jobs. Like, I've yeah, done yeah. some cool shit. Also, this is not work. Well, yeah. yeah. It's and under this, the auspices of work. Yeah. And also, the, we've not explicitly billed it as like a Christmas y thing. Yeah. In my head, it's this so is Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. It's this, like Christmas snow in, yeah. uh, in the film. Colorado. Yeah. Magic. Town. Um, but yeah, also, so we have a bunch of messages from different people who have said that they were thinking about coming by themselves. Mm. And was there like any meetups or anything like that being organized? Like, obviously, before it, um, it starts at 12. So, yeah. I mean, there probably will be pubs open. Um, but what I would say is, 
I think what I'm going to do is I'll do a Facebook group mm-hmm. or Facebook event, and if people are coming up for the weekend or something and think about coming up by themselves, then they can sort of organize it. So I'll put that Facebook event in the info of this podcast. So Very if you, nice yeah, it's on that, or it'll be on if you're using a podcast app, it'll be on that, or if you're watching it on if you're listening to it on the site, I'll put a link to it as well, nice. so people can just meet up and stuff. But I would say like mm-hmm. afterwards, we're there's potentially going to be 450 people trying to get into a pub, so I don't yeah. think you'll be without friends. And I've got um, the day off the next day, so I'm in for oh, a long Jesus. haul. Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think like afterwards, people will be hanging out and stuff. At all our events, people always make friends and shit. So yeah. if you're thinking about coming, but you can't, for some reason, convince someone to come watch uh, The Prestige <laughs> and listen to a podcast all about The Prestige with you, get rid of those people for one, and then come Three meet people here. and a half hours of very niche <laughs> chat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, ignprestige.eventbrite.co.uk is where you get your tickets. Uh, definitely come along because you will feel everything. Unlike me. That sounds horrible. You will feel everything. I felt. I'd, so the Lion King teaser dropped last night. Yeah. Um, I've been out on the swigs. I thought I'll watch it on the toilet before I go to bed. Yeah. I felt absolutely nothing. Same. Yeah. Don't get it. I, people, obviously, as well. I got to it before our, some of our US colleagues got to it and proceeded to lose their fucking boxes on Twitter being like, I'm crying at my desk. Oh, are you bollocks? How, like, how have they got them to act? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just, I don't know. Lots of people go in are so emotional. I was like, it is cool hearing that, um, like that main theme. I don't even know what it's called. But it's the but same. Circle yeah. of it's Arsene Wenger. Um, yeah, Arsene it's, Wenger. It's not the, it, it's the weirdness of it being so faithful yeah honestly yeah the best way i was trying to think of like what does this remind me of it's fucking gus van sant's psycho yeah it's this is the vince vaughn psycho yeah. to the original it's so weird like i just watched it and went i don't need to see this film yeah i like all of this is completely familiar to me there's nothing about strange, it strange isn't it exciting because it feels like when i was watching it what it generally felt like is now and again when stuff goes when something will go viral and be like look at this fan made not saying that it looks shit it looks amazing but like someone has recreated the lion king in real life and you're like oh shit that's amazing it's like um mario do you want to see ocarina like unreal engine this exactly yeah yeah that's what i kind of felt like watching i was like oh i wanted to feel more because i fucking love the lion king yeah um it's a, yeah, because that's like Cardi this morning was saying, oh, I didn't feel much for it, but that's because Lion King wasn't one of the films I grew up with. You know, mm. like there's a few Disney films you have on VHS when yes. you're a kid and you've just drilled it into your head. Yeah, yeah. Like the Lion King was that for me and I still don't. Yeah. Like, I'm just looking at it like I don't. Maybe as soon as Donald Glo- Don Glover speaks, I'll love yeah. it again because like, I love him. But... Is, it, like, is it just for a new generation who yeah. prefer a digital version than the animated version? But it just yeah. seems weird. Uh, like their whole remake thing so far has been... Altering it, like yeah. Dumbo looks really different. Jungle Book was pretty different. Like Beauty and the Beast, and the Beast is is ex- similar. Oh yeah, exactly the same. That. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one that made all the money. So they're just that's like, probably, hey, that's a good point. I tell you what, like it, just looking at the original, we, we don't have to storyboard it. Yeah. Who's this? Yeah, <laughs> this is perfect. This is brilliant. Like, wait, pause that. That is a storyboard. I tell you what, have you seen the have you seen the dance scene in Beauty and the Beast? It's a banger. Like, yeah. I, I I know it says in the script, do new dance scene, but. Yeah. I might just do that it, one. It must be weird going like one of, <coughs> one of the most beloved films, probably of all times. So yeah. How do we remake that? Do the same thing. Do the same thing. Yeah, Hermione, we're going to do the same thing with it. So just watch Beauty and the Beast before you come in tomorrow, please. It's, it's Shadow of the Colossus remake. It's yeah. just like yeah. it just looks better. I think it's weird that you haven't. We didn't. I know it's only a teaser, but I think it is really strange not seeing anyone talking, and that almost 
fills me with a little bit of dread where they just go, it looks mental. Yeah, it's like Rafiki looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. They all look like real animals, so yeah. having those talking, they don't meant to talk. It's like the first time you see like the Planet of the Apes talking, you're like, oh, sorry, like that. <laughs> it's just gone wrong. Um, I was quite pissed uh, yesterday and while I was lying in bed with Clara, it's when, uh, does that really happen? When, <laughs> in like the animal kingdom, when the... When a, like the ki- the son of the king is born, <laughs> like do they actually do it? How pissed were like, Yeah, yes. like, on what? <laughs> I was like, that'd be this amazing going, if that really happened. Are they? Is this planet Earth? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you just choke <laughs> on your dish? Right, Al's done a fucking number on this one. If I was, Amber <laughs> should get in on that and just do a do a voice track. Love for that. It. After all the stuff about them moving those penguins to keep them alive and everyone yeah. having a big argument about that. Imagine if he got them to do a big semi-circle of animals in the Sahara. He's yeah. Just like, yeah, we did it. I, it I, good. I saw this article about Attenborough recently being like uh, that he's done more to like fuck up climate change uh, than Trump has by basically showing people all these different amazing scenes and, diff- and lots of people uh, sort of who are against climate change or say it doesn't exist go, look at that, planet Earth, it's absolutely fine. And then he used bits of planet Earth and Attenborough stuff being like, if it was that bad, surely he would have found some stuff. And then their, produ- their production team like, no, we find loads of horrible stuff, yeah. but we'd still show it. Also, um, Amber's on record yeah. many, many times yeah. talking about what a stupid article. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I was on a Guardian as well. Well, well there we are. Um, I did feel nothing for the Lion King teaser, but I felt everything for watching uh, Mr. Blobby on loose women slagging off Noel Edmonds. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He, he went on. Uh, <laughs> he went on loose women. Calling him out big time. If you don't know what Mr. Blobby is, uh, you're not from around here. Well, stop. So yeah, stop. Go on YouTube and just type in Mr. Blobby New York, and then this is a British time. comedy great. Yeah, it's weird that that's. Because I don't think ten years ago anyone had that. Opinion. It's a renaissance. Mm. It, it's is like, a renaissance. it depends. Like you know, people get reevaluated, don't yeah. they? Yeah, he has definitely been reevaluated. Like he's the Rick Astley of mm. comedy. <laughs> well, I think Noel Edmonds had actually slagged him off first. I think because no, I think Noel Edmonds is, is on record as saying that Mr. Blobby is like sort of. Uh, I think the guy who played Mr. Blobby mm. went to live in Marbella and, Excuse then, me? <laughs> and just got off his nut on booze and, and just went down the pan. But Mr. Blobby went on Loose Women because Noel Edmonds has gone on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out Here. Oh, of course he has, yeah. And they asked, they, so they, this is why he's been on stuff this week. Mm. And they asked him a bunch of questions. And one of them was like, oh, why is he why is he going on it? And Mr. Blobby just does, does the bunts. No, he uh, did. Yeah. Does the bunts yeah. thing. Oh, I can't believe yeah. I've missed this. Yeah. I've so seen everyone good. talking about Mr. Blobby, but I've just enjoyed it on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And then while he was on there, they asked for his opinions on Brexit. I yeah. saw that, that image. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. Um, the only thing, like, it was, <clears throat> it is so funny. I wish he'd fallen over a bit more. Because um, <laughs> it is funny. Because like, his physical comedy is fucking incredible. It's unbelievable. We, like, we, we just watched an extended clip from when he appeared on one of those like big fat quizzes oh, of the yeah, year. So and it's just five minutes of just just the most mad yeah. physical comedy where yeah. he, <laughs> the bit made me laugh is the one that you mentioned first mm. where he, he someone asked whether he's had a relationship with a Teletubby yeah. he tells um, Jimmy Carr or something in yeah. blobby language and he proceeds to do this thing where he touches himself drops to his <laughs> knees stick, where, also before that he sticks one of his huge <laughs> Mr. Blobby fingers into that mouth yeah. which is where the guy inside <laughs> if there is yeah. one yeah. Uh, let's break kayfabe for a second yeah uh, 
must be. So for him, that's a finger coming straight at his eye. Yeah. So yeah. Like that's just Weird. mind boggling by itself. And he does this thing where his knees, like legs bend outwards. Oh, he drops so his knees yeah. and then he just holds it for a second for a beat yeah. and then face plants. But yeah. like, it's more, it's not just a drop. He pushes, pushes his it. face yeah. into the floor. He's got and a big squidgy head. Huge noise. Oh. It's amazing. My favourite bit is when he knocks over the lectern and then he's trying to pick up all the cards and he's just like, just leave it. <laughs> My favourite thing. As he's going to the lectern, he's yeah. trying to get out of the way of Jimmy Carr, but he just says beep beep in a floppy voice. <laughs> <laughs> so also, when, the, when he also like gets involved in the quiz, he gets so excited when people get the right answers. Yeah, that's really running good. around fist pumping. Oh, it's brilliant! But yeah, he was on talking about Brexit. Um, I, I tweeted a, like a screenshot of it, um, and that kind of kicked off on my Twitter yesterday. But I didn't realize that what happens when you tweet about anything about Brexit, yeah. you get the most tedious people replying to you. Like, like, these are the same people who fucking uh, will tweet about Die Hard being the best fucking Christmas film and bollocks like that. It's like absolute pat of vacuums. Just like tweeting me about, I wish I'd never done it now. I'm, I've muted the tweet. That's what you've yeah, done. That's fair play. Um, yeah. But Mr. Bobby slagging off Noel Edmonds, everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's everything to me. Um, imagine I, listening to that last 10 minutes like if you're from America like we've talked about draining boards <laughs> Mr. Blobby and how we hate the Lion King and if you want to see this live yeah it's like uh, the least relatable podcast well, we'll again say, we've got beyond yeah, they yeah. knew the PlayStation say, stuff like yeah. if you want a pl- uh, podcast all about PlayStation we got beyond if you're going about what's the Xbox one called Unlocked Unlocked do that um, Game School Games, Games who they do they more. Do they stuff do everything. That. Yeah, I think there's some Quizzes. film ones um, that you can listen to as well. So if you want that, we got it all on IGN. We're covering Blobby, the etcetera bit with, <laughs> yeah. <out>. with a <laughs> misc. Um, Joe, you yeah, mentioned hello. you mentioned last week that Cinema Two was on Netflix, and I didn't know about it. Yeah. I fucking watched every single episode. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, uh, like. I don't. I I can't remember the last time there was something as compelling as that. And the first series is exactly the same for me as well. Yeah. Like I don't think it's not like high end, like true detective, like amazingness. Not at all. But I fucking just love watching it. It's, I can't it's stop. Fucking airplane thriller. Yeah. Novel. That's like yes. it's the TV equivalent. Absolutely. Where you're just like, yeah, yeah. I just have to see the end. Yeah. And I know it's trash and I know it's stupid and I know I could pick it apart but yeah. I don't want to at all yeah. I just like watching this I've rinsed it like, it's so good we watched- it's the detective character and it's not really like I've not watched it yeah okay cool oh so- mate you could have an amazing... If you haven't watched the first series either. No, I've watched the first series. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's yeah, not so a Bill direct Coleman. continuation, but it's, no, no, no. it's his character. It's his yeah. character. Because if you've seen the first season of The Sinner, you'd be like, what? How can you do a second season? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's his character uh, post that case. So that case yeah. is having repercussions in small ways yeah. in his life, but yeah. in a different location. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's on a completely new case for it. Yeah. Um, and it is brilliant. Uh, it's some incredible, like, Carrie Coon is so good. Amazing. Um, like. But it's really interesting because, like, Kilby uh, watched the first series and loved it and didn't really didn't like the second series. Yeah. And then I looked online, lots of people didn't like it either. I think it's been, uh, had a mixed reception, yeah. as they'd call it. Um, and I think maybe if you what you loved about The Sinner was yeah. the in- intense focus on what's going on with this person. Yeah. The Sinner Season 2 is different. Like, mm. it's a wider mystery. Absolutely, it, yeah. Like, it starts with a person and then blows up. Yeah. But I found that way more satisfying because then you're getting into all these backstories at once. Yeah. And you'll meet, like, there's really good scenes where you're seeing people in the past and, like, yeah. 
you were talking about bits where you were like trying to pausing it and trying oh to yeah absolutely bits and yeah it's just so well put together it's like it's that thing as well though because we talked about it a little bit last week before i'd even seen it where i think in the, with the first series i was it, well we when we were talking about it, we were like we wanted it to be this like mad conspiracy up here but actually it's actually it's quite small mm. and a similar thing happens with this where i thought the ending in my head i had a completely different ending but I wasn't disappointed think, by this. Part of the Cloverfield universe. Yeah, fuck it, it would be amazing. Um, but I, th- I thought I had a completely different ending. But then actually, when I was talking to Clara about it, she was just like, yeah, but that would have been mental. Yeah. Like to do that in the last episode. And I was like, yeah, it would have been. But it's uh, it's really, really good. Bill Coleman's amazing yeah. as well. Like, I can't believe there's not more chat. Like, some playing, he's playing someone who... It's never acknowledged. But, yeah. Like, he might be on the spectrum. He certainly has, like extreme social anxiety yeah and it's really odd to see someone play that not as like retiring or like scared yeah he's got this weird grin on his face the whole time like like it's a safety mechanism like if i just smile when i feel awkward it gets me through it yeah it's so weird it's such a brilliant performance yeah i really like it it is really strange because as you say he is slightly on the spectrum but at the same time he never loses confidence in the case. And yes, because he says this really awesome thing in the first episode where they ask him like, why, uh, why he did what he did in the first case. And he was like, oh, I could tell that she had a story or there was a story there mm. to, uh, to like unpick. And it's sort of the police had written it off as one thing, but he knew there was something a little bit more to it. And I thought that's a quite a really nice little thing that he did there. Also, yeah. it would be great if he was wrong. <laughs> just, like I want a series where he's just like, I have fucked. Oh my up. god! Is it ten episodes? Like, eight, eight episodes. Yeah. Eight. yeah, yeah. You can steam through it. And we were saying like this really nice thing as well. Where the even if it's only the second series, the series both series now have, have developed like an actual structure to it. So mm. you know what's going something mad is going to happen in the first episode, and like the seventh episode is like the big unraveling, like in the first series. Because well, like like in um, the first series, I knew exactly what the first thing was going to be in the oh. first episode because the Netflix description tells you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, it's kind of the same we were talking about this because you've been re-watching Hannibal yeah like there's a weird thing where I don't know how intentional it is but the second yeah. episode of every series has something fucking gross in yeah. like there's a lot of gross stuff but like really particularly upsetting yeah in the second episode of every series and it's like yeah I really find that quite comforting because I'm like yeah. here we go we're going to get into it now here's it's the really thing good. what episode that is it must be intentional yeah like the, all the titles of the episodes are like courses and a yeah, meal yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like this is that course again yeah, yeah. What is the what's what's the episode in Game of Thrones where everything kicks off? Is it like oh, the penultimate like, episode? I think it's nine. Nine. Well, that's the, usually like the big budget one, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's good. I I really like that. It yeah. feels like it feels like. I wonder if you're there's more in other series, but you just haven't noticed, or maybe like that's the one they sprinkle their money on. Yeah. Don't know. Mm. Cu- curry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Everyone dies. Yeah. But there we are. That's Senator Two Watch done. It. Um. We had an amazing couple of hours. Mm. Uh, Wednesday? Wednesday. 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 Um, we got to go and play Observation, which is something that you got to see before us a while back, and we kind of announced it. Uh, it's a new Devolver game from the people at No Code who did Stories Untold. Um, and me and Kruber got to play it and speak to John from No Code about mm. it as well. But fuck me, that's a good game. 
It's brilliant. It Absolutely. needs to be on your radar for 2019 because it's going to be an absolute bang. I was saying this to to you after you played it, where yeah. I was like, I have nothing. I'm not a part of this game. Yeah. But because I loved it so much when I yeah. played it, like I was really nervous about you playing it. So I was like, oh god, I really hope I'm not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so cool. Like it's just such an amazing idea. So deftly executed. Yeah. Um, if you don't remember, it is uh, essentially the the kind of pitch is. It's 2001 A Space Odyssey, but you play Hal. Yeah. Um, so, so you, you are, are the, the AI. Yeah. Um, so it's weird, like, switching between car- um, cameras and yeah. different perspectives on a room and searching it. And, like, because yeah. we played, the demo we played, like, probably last, like, 20 minutes, something yeah, like that. It's, it's, it's quite yeah. short. But you're essentially getting reboot. You're rebooting yourself after yeah. some incident. Mm. And you're, like, finding out your memory's being wiped, but you're doing all these routine things on yourself. You're yeah. doing diagnostics. And so it's kind of learning how to be a computer. Yeah. And you're, like, at the behest of, what's the character called? Emma. Uh, Emma Fisher, yeah. yeah. Emma Fisher, who's, like, the last remaining, what we presume, yeah. um, astronaut aboard the space station where something's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, I really, like... There's a, I, I talked about it when we just after we played it, but you are tasked with doing these different, different things, and some of them are just do like little scans, and you find that quite mundane, um, quite a lot. Yeah, mm. a lot of it's mundane, but it's look because it looks so nice. You're just like, I'm really into doing this. Um, but one of them uh, is you've got to like put this sequence of numbers in um, under pressure. Under, yeah, under pressure. And she's shouting at you because <laughs> she doesn't. Well, you're not. Oh, a person. you're a computer. Yeah, you should be able to do this. No yeah. problem. Um, but she's saying these numbers, and. I don't know why, but I was just like, oh, I'll wait for it to finish the sequence, then I'll punch the numbers in. But then the sequence is like nine numbers long. So when... So we've got... <laughs> well, usually, usually a game would tell you a number, and then it'd be like, here's the number, in a bit of writing. Yeah. And it's like, sweet. Yeah. We, we had a slightly odd thing where you oh, were yeah. here just after this. Yeah. I did an interview with John McKellen, who's directing the game. Yeah. And um, weirdly, usually you go into another room for an interview in yeah. this one just in the room with everyone else. Yeah. Uh, Which would so, be fine had it not been me playing the game. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, like it's like Zoo Radio. Yeah. It's like the Howard Stern show. We have a really interesting chat about the design of it, his past in games and how that's all come to bear and we talk a bit about stories untold, a bit about alien isolation, but there's one bit where you just hear Gav in the background go, fuck! It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. It's because I did it wrong and I was like, also, something you barely get in games is like you feel actual peril when mm. you're doing stuff wrong because you're like, fuck, I don't know what's going on in this space thing, but I'm in control of this woman's life now. And I got, I, so I waited for the, her to finish the numbers, but then obviously once it got to like seven numbers, I was like, oh shit. I, don't, I thought, I didn't <laughs> I know that, That's when it. I realized, ah, that's why they've put down pads and pens in yeah. front of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, but you actually feel, because obviously, the way think about the way that you talk to any bit of technology that goes mm. wrong. Like I am horrible, like to the oven in my <laughs> in my flat and stuff like that. Like think about anything like that, and that's how she talks to the computer because that's how you would talk to the computer. Mm. Um, and it's, it's really strange because she's like, "Sam, what the fuck are you doing? You absolute idiot!" One of my favorite <laughs> details in that game because everything's meant to be in universe, so the HUD is always what Sam would be seeing. There's yeah. nothing extraneous to it is if you turn on subtitles, the subtitles appear word by word like Siri. Ooh. So the idea is that you Sam is literally passing the words oh. to show them to you as they yeah. happen. It's so smart, but yeah. it must be so much more work. Yeah. I think about the poor bastard who had to do that. Yeah. I don't think John. Yeah. yeah, probably John. Uh, it was because obviously you were doing the interview mm-hmm. uh, with John. I had I was playing the game with uh, is it Omar? Yeah, works at the studio, like watching over my shoulder. I actually genuinely dislike that preview events usually because like 
you're just being judged on either by skill yeah. uh, or by how mad you are. Um, we played another game recently, uh, and we were capturing some stuff for unofficial preview. So obviously, we ca- we ca- I capture that in a different way to I would play the game. Mm. But I had like the people, the devs around me, like going, "Are you all right?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I just wonder what see what happened if I died there. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus Christ! But that it kind of put me on edge a little bit. But it was quite fun. But um, also, like, didn't you turn around afterwards? And he was just like, "That was brilliant." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we so you spoke to John. You can hear me in the background screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a little podcast off you right now. I think we're going to have talked about... Cock. Oh, there we go. I was actually part of it. <laughs> we're going to talk about cock. Thoughts. Thoughts, yeah. Uh, we're going to have talked about the game, the demo, like we'll have all discussed yeah, okay. it on the podcast. So I guess I'd, uh, I think I'd like to start with the idea of how Observation got here. Because we talked before and you... It's, it's so much more of a journey than just I have an idea for a game and the game's going to come out now because yeah, I've made yeah. it. Yeah. Like it, it seems to have come through, well, from my perspective, for you, general love of UI. Which, pretty, pretty much. Which is a really interesting, you know, that we don't hear about that in terms of games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we, when we announced the game, um, was that last month now? Um, a couple of the guys that you start with were like, I see, John, you managed to release a game where the uh, the UI was the main attraction for yeah. once, and it's like... And the main character. Like, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it's a combination of things, really, like, from from working on past projects that allowed me to kind of develop a style and develop mm. my own kind of, you know, find my way, find my feet through to the UI world and, and then storytelling and things like that. Um, but we, yeah, we we started the company three three years ago to make this game, and um, we we built a prototype which is not too dissimilar in terms of structure from what we what we've been shown today and what we've shown uh, in the last month or so. Um, you know, that, that stayed pretty consistent on a high level, mm-hmm. um, and then you know we we started developing, we we experimented a lot with that, and then um, then we. As we were waiting for things to get greenlit, we made stories untold. But that's um, right. You can't skip over that, though. You just we made, we made one yeah, of the we, the best adventure games of the last yeah. several years. It was all right. Like yeah. it just just <laughs> happened. We just tossed it Bafta. out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So yeah, we had an idea. Bafta. That's next. It, yeah, next in the bag. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah. So we we pitched it, and we'd been speaking to some people. Spoke to the lovely folks at Devolver, and everyone was really keen to do something, but. It was just taking a while to get all the ducks in a row and make sure, you know, get contracts signed and all that kind of jazz. Um, and it was, you know, as far as budget and things like that was going, it was much bigger than anything we'd done before as, as no code. So it was a, it was a big thing for mm. us. Um, and so we, yeah, we got to the point where like everyone was on board and it was just a waiting game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ludum Dare, the kind of I think it's every three months that game jam where you kind of spend a couple of days making a game. We, we a lot of the games we've made have all come out of game jams in some way, like mm. as a way to rapidly prototype something and then take it somewhere. So we made the House Abandoned, which is the um, the text adventure that kind of spills out into the real world. And didn't think we thought it was cool or weird, mm-hmm. which is we didn't think anyone would be interested. But uh, we put it online and like yeah the 
first night there was like five downloads and the second night there was 20,000 downloads and I think it was um, Kotaku had done a feature on it mm. and it suddenly just exploded. We were like, oh God, like we should probably do something with this. You know, maybe, maybe we've got something. Yeah. And speaking to the guys at Devolver, we were like, mm. you know, yeah. <laughs> we, were, um, we were thinking, you know, this has gone quite well. Mm. We think we can do this. I mean, that took us three days, so. What's that? How, how 12 long? days? That's literally what we pitched. <laughs> and uh, six months later, as Andrew testified to, we skidded into release with a broken build and <laughs> it was a disaster. Um, it was a pretty rough a rough ride. But, and yeah, we, we spent the next six months making stories untold, um, released that, and literally like three days or something after release, we came home from GDC and Observation was signed. And we started working on that. That works out. And it was just like, yeah, the, the timing was impeccable, but also means we haven't slept in three years. So <laughs> that's not helped. But well, um, yeah. well, Ludum Dare always has like a theme or a, a, like a, a jumping yes. off point, doesn't it? Yeah. What was the House Abandons? It one? was ancient technology. Ancient technology. Yeah. And so even though what we were doing wasn't ancient, like it was a conversation with my, uh, my eldest who would, who would see old computers as being ancient. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, so it's, it's all down to perspective, right? Is that why you did the really nice effect where when you press a key in real life, it makes an actual mechanical key? It makes a clunky noise. That's, sound. That's this one here, yeah, it's just got it's the. beautiful that. It is, yeah, this whole really clunky like mechanical it. thing. And, and so, what's the. I mean, obviously, you kind of. Observation was an idea pre Stories Untold. Yes. But what did Stories Untold teach you that you are now using an observation? Like, there um, must be a. There must be a a sort of general move in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for that. I think stories, because we'd already started work on observation as prototypes and pitching and stuff, we had an idea of what we wanted to make. Mm. Um, obviously, we hadn't started the formal development on it yet. So stories actually let us kind of road test some ideas and try out some things because it was, it was always going to be an experimental kind of niche weird game. We were going to stick out in Steam. Mm. We were going to back that to give it some, you know, give it some, get it some coverage and let people know about it. But it meant that we had this great way of testing ideas out on people and, and our, what has now kind of become our brand of thriller, horror mm -hmm. and, and gameplay mechanics and stuff like that. So Observation does lean on some of that stuff and then just dial things up and take it a bit further. But things like the, the way that we structure puzzles, you know, for, for one of it, I don't like calling them puzzles because they're not like, it's not like playing The Witness or or something like that where you've got this complex thing that you have to kind of spend ages trying to work out this hard solution if you're not very good with numbers or you're not very good with this, then mm -hmm. you struggle. Um, it's more about feeling your way through an interface or feeling your way through what we've presented with you. And we, the, the solution to the puzzle is actually quite easy. The puzzle is working out what the puzzle is. Like yeah. What am I being asked to do here? And in this game, you're literally asked, like the way you would ask Siri or Alexa, you would say, can you open that door for me? Mm. So in, in the game, Emma will say, Sam, can you open this door for me? And she's expecting you to know how to do that. And you're going, oh shit, that's me. I've, I've got to do that. So you then have to use the systems that you've been introduced to, to work out, you know, what are the steps in that process? And, yeah. you know, and how, how, how do you open a door on a space station? And what do you have to be aware of? And it's, um, it's kind of, most games have you moving a human body around, so you understand the mechanics of a human body, but yeah. your body now is a space station yeah. and its systems. Yeah. So it's kind of learning your body. It's like you're a teenager. It, is. it absolutely <laughs> is. Yeah, there's, there is a lot of, we, we've got a, a theme in the game that we call teenage moments where, yeah. um, where some of the things that Sam does or some of the, the player will do through, you know, things that they normally do as gamers, you know, they'll, 
listen to audio logs and they'll mm. scan bits of paper. But then if you're caught doing that, then you know Emma might notice this and okay. go, "Why the hell are you reading people's emails?" And you're like, "Because that's what we do in games." When but to her, that's really weird, right? So you've, yeah. you've got this kind of interesting position that you put the player in, okay. and that's like yeah, we call them teenage moments where you've been kind of caught doing something that you maybe shouldn't have been doing, and it's led to a judgment call from from that person. Right? When you say if you're caught doing those things, is yeah. that something that like do you act, could you? play around Emma, like notice oh, that she's somewhere else and she wouldn't notice that yeah, you've done abso- that. Absolutely, yeah, That's yeah. Really I mean, cool. it's, it's, you've you've got full awareness of where she is. Um, you know, I think we were making an analogy the other day about it being like inner space, wasn't it? It's like but Emma's Dennis Quaid and you're Martin Short. It's like a really bad way to sell again. <laughs> but um but yeah this is essentially all happening inside you and you become more aware of your systems and, and what you're connected to and how to use that stuff as the game mm. progresses. I mean even down to in the the demo section that we showed, um, there's a point where you have to kind of jettison a module near the end of the demo, mm. you have to kind of let go of something that is gonna tear the rest of the ship apart. So it's like that has to be jettisoned. And we refer to that as an amputation. Oh. Because it's more of a body horror thing. It's like, you know, you're letting a part of yourself go there. Yeah. So that's got to have some sort of emotional weight to it. That's really cool. Um, so we kind of play around with concepts like that, mm. you know, and I think that makes it quite interesting. Um, yeah. And like going back even further, I know your part on Alien Isolation, like I think when people have talked about your part in that, it's often to do with the interfaces, the UI, yeah. which is something that people talk about a great deal with yeah. Alien Isolation. But obviously that's set within the confines of a spaceship and you're learning that space in the same way. Like how much of that did you bring into here or is this your own take on that kind of thing? Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it's my own take on it in that because we're seeing everything from this other perspective, mm. um, these are systems internal to you. Um, we do have a, you know, when, when Graham and I are designing stuff and, and Ben is our other designer, um, we're always kind of making sure that, you know, is, is this system that you're interacting with, is it internal to Sam? Mm-hmm. Or is it is it something that the, the crew use? And if it's something the crew use, it will look like something they would use. It would have buttons, it would have symbols. Something internal to Sam is presented in a different way and it lives in a different part of the game because it's it's like knowing your own heart rate or, or something like that. It's a very different kind of uh, link that you have to that. Mm. Um, whereas what we did on, on the role the UI had on Alien, you know, its functional role was fairly limited in that it was some mini games. There was some, uh, <laughs> yeah. Gab's done something wrong. I was waiting for her to say it all and then start doing the codes, but then this in. is going to be great podcast content. Yeah, it's that the role in Alien was not just the game mechanics, but just presentation and tone setting, and mm-hmm. like world building. You know, when you went into the um, Sevastolink terminals to get data drops and it was the, the kind of the way that UI would appear and it just kind of grounded everything into this kind of believable world and that's that's it was its main role whereas here it's the primary interface it's what you do to play the game mm. so it has to have a, a very different slant on things where it's function over form and very um, it's, it's still having to tell story in terms of um, what is the what is ha- Sam and what's happening to Sam? But it's also like the chief game mechanic, so it's got a very different role to play. Have you ever had? Have you ever come up against the problem of like making a UI that looks cool but is so fundamentally unfamiliar to a normal? Because you, you're presumably working within the context of someone has to understand how computers work to understand what a UI is, yeah. like in a general sense. Like, yeah. have you ever had, wanted to push it somewhere and just gone? 
oh, someone's not going to be able to read this because they won't yeah, know what I that means in term of, terms I'd of a terminal. Fifty percent of the time, we're way past that line, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll hand you an instruction sheet. It's funny because um, uh, Andrew from Devolver had been playing the game. And uh, one of the, the kind of puzzles that appears later on is a very no-code type puzzle. And mm. I think, I can't remember what you called us, but it was, um, it was a lot of bad words. <laughs> a lot of bad words. Was that a nice word? Oh, it was a nice word, but it was like it's a bad word, such, man, a, such a no-code interface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there is definitely points where we try and push it even further and see how it goes. And I think, you know, there's parts in this game that might be frustrating to some people because it's not necessarily UX friendly, mm. you know, and as a, a UI artist of years, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that will be pissing off because I'm breaking the rules that I've had to follow for so long in terms of like making sure that things are communicated well and that you know exactly what you have to do at any given time. Mm. And we're working against that because you're supposed to be finding out who you are. You're supposed to be learning these systems for the first time as a character and as a player and to just hit you with instructions all the time defeats that, you yeah. know, it breaks that. And so things are deliberately clunky in places and deliberately like, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And we want them to feel their way around and then discover it themselves. I go, oh, right, okay, if I do this, then that happens. And uh, Graham and I refer to them as activity boards, like little kids have. Okay, got, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they've got a little stroller and they've got buttons and things that beep and keyboard they noises. They look amazing. They grow. Oh, they're great. Them. Yeah, and but they're what I we generally use them as um, as a reference because when you when you encourage people to twist things and press buttons, mm. they get creative and they they try and figure out what the effects of those things might be. So our UIs are kind of like that in mm -hmm. a more you know obviously in a more mature and cinematic way. But it is like feel your way around and press those buttons and see what see happens, what happens yeah. when it does. And then you'll start to figure out, well, actually, oh, if I do that and do this, then things start to click. And the solutions to the problems you've got are usually not that complicated. They're not mm. hard. It's the bit before it where it's like, well, how do I arrive to that? I know I've got to open a door and that's I know it's that door. But you know, what have I got to do to get there? You know, and that feeling around is where a lot of the fun comes from, I think. And so, it sounds yeah. like um, uh, that the TIE Fighter game, the one where it was absurdly complex to yeah. the point where you're like, I've never actually thought about the idea that the cockpit in a Star Wars ship might work. Yeah. You're like, oh shit, yeah, all those buttons presumably were designed to mean something. And it's like a game designer just coming in and going, yeah, that means that, that means that. Yeah, and like, yeah. Let's give them all pushing, the and yeah. then And then you're just like, wow. I'd be a shit TIE fighter pilot, like, that'd be really bad. It does like, dampen the dream a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but then that's the pleasure of it, because yeah. then once you're playing, you're suddenly going, right, as soon as I understand what all this means, I'm gonna have so much more control than I used to do. Mm -hmm. Like, is, so is, is failure like kind of built into your design in some way, that, or not failure, but the idea of someone going, fuck, I did not mean to do that, and something's uh, gone wrong over here. Yeah, and, to an extent. I mean, we've got areas of the game that, that definitely react to success or failure is Sam, you know, there's no game overstate. You're yeah. never going to be held back. You'll always move forward, but um, you will have learned something from that success or failure that might come in handy later mm. on or, or might, you know, grant you access to somewhere that if you don't do that right, you'll just never see for the whole game and, mm. and things like that, which, so there's, there's repercussions to those actions and hopefully those kind of things that when you do fail and you do feel like you've maybe, not necessarily been punished, but like MOC, come on, Sam, like, mm -hmm. What was that about? You know, you're supposed to be able to do this and you feel like, all right, Christ, you know, yeah. <laughs> try my best yeah. here. Um, but that you maybe feel more inclined to be a bit bolder with your button presses and mm. be a bit bolder with like, I'm going to look around here and I'm going to 
learn my environment so that the next time she asks me to do something, I'm gonna I'm gonna be ready, you know. And that that feels cool when you start to get into that rhythm. Uh, it feels really good. Yeah. As as you get to the middle of the game, things start to open up a little bit. You've got more. Um, I don't want to say side missions, but there's more optional stuff you can do as right. Sam, you know, to um, to do what Sam would maybe normally do bef without being in the, the the narrative thing that's going on. You yeah. Know, there's kind of other stuff, just general, like keeping the ship going and mm -hmm. making sure you're aligned correctly in orbit and things like that. But they make you feel good about yourself as Sam because you've learned those systems, you've understood all these different you know, these different UI systems that are dotted around the station and internal to Sam, and then you've used them in conjunction hmm. on your off your own back, and you've you've done a good job. And it, it feels satisfying. I think it feels more satisfying than just being given a, 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 a system and a really hard version of it to, hmm. to learn, you know, like a really hard puzzle where it's like, well, I know how to do these puzzles, but this is solid, you know. It's more like you feel like I've been creative in solving the puzzle rather than just brute forcing something. You know? Well, it's something really, when I first played the demo, I remember going through and not feeling really happy about doing things right and like being a good AI. Yeah. Like, and f like it made, it's almost like a childish, like, oh, I pleased the adult, like the person yeah. telling me to do things. And then when I finished, you said, oh, you know, there's a few things that could have gone wrong or Emma could have reacted weirdly to you doing mm. things wrong. And I was suddenly like, fuck, I'm such a nerd that I just sit here being like, I've got to please the person in charge. Yeah, well, that, that I missed like interesting moments of divergence. But it's odd how it like that plays into your it plays into yeah. your psyche with it because I just want to please people around me and not get in trouble. Yeah, and well, that's, and, and, that's weird and, uh, that that's in me. But that, that's the thing is, I think that's in a lot of people, and and the the dialogue from Emma especially has been written with that in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, has been like. Well, especially in the kind of opening chapters of the game, if you do something wrong, she kind of scolds you because you're you're just a you know you're just an an, not an android, but you know you're a, you're a computer. Yeah. It's like you know when Alexa doesn't play the right song, you go oh, for fuck's sake, you know, and you you, you don't think it has feelings, mm. so you don't mind what you say, and it's usually they're saying it to themselves more than anything else, and it's like fuck's sake, Sam, what is wrong with you? You know, and and you go, all right, Christ, I'm just, <laughs> just <laughs> and, so you, and you want to do a better job next time. Yeah. And yeah, and she'll kind of remember some of these things and, you know, if things go well the next time, maybe that will be remembered and, you know, we're not going to throw like, Emma will remember that on the screen, yeah. but it's just we try and be kind of organic about that stuff and, and just let it, let it play out, you know. I guess I think that's the thing that's hard to tell is, you know, obviously this plays into sort of adventure game style uh, thinking, yeah. but, the, you know, you're not aiming for that telltale like, mechanically marking out decisions you may or may not have made yeah. like where do you think it sits on the sort of i mean i think like on that spectrum yeah i think as far as what we communicate it's like we're probably way too far in the wrong direction <laughs> <laughs> like i think telltale like i love the telltale games they were really on the nose about that stuff mm. but it was also it meant that i think you you noticed when that popped up on the screen you're like all right okay and it helped make a little bookmark for yourself in the narrative yeah. that the next time you spoke to that character, you're like, oh, this is going to play out a bit differently. Whereas I feel like because like a lot of our UI, you know, I keep calling it like method UI, like everything's in character, mm -hmm. you know, the cursor's in character, you know, everything's kind of being its part of being of Sam, that to throw that kind of game marking, you know, the mm. kind of a gameplay bookmarks is really jarring when you're trying to go for this full immersive thing. Yeah. Um, so we probably don't do it enough, but we wanted it to feel organic and natural enough that it's not 
it's not a feature that we're, we're singing about. It's not like we're going to go and when you do this, then she's going to remember. And then later on, this is going to happen. And it's going to be this big moment. It's just, we want it just to feel like it's it's played out the way it was going to play out based on your decisions. Right. Rather okay. than, oh, I know there's a branch here, you know. Yeah. It's like when you when you look at, when you finish a level in Detroit and it gives you this big branching thing, right? Mm. And it's incredible and it's like an amazing technical feat to do that. But it also just... But it's a bit of shit. It turns into, <laughs> well, it turns into a game. You just, yeah. you just go, oh, come on, I've got so much more to do. It's yeah, ridiculous. But it, it, turns, it turns it into a game right away. You're just like, right, now, now my goal is to find all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, I know there's branching narrative. Like, Until Dawn, I absolutely loved that game. And I played it, and then when I played it again, it was deliberately trying to find other things. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not playing that story organically anymore. I'm not feeling my way through it. And you're also forcing not- things to to try and get a certain outcome. Yeah, and you're not feeling that story in the same way because then it's not your story, it's a story that's been told that you're just finding you're, you're the next piece to, of. You're trying to find the right page to flip to, yeah. yeah. Whereas what we're trying to do is just like have that system there but really be quite passive and in the background and, and not be something you're aiming to achieve. Okay. Um, there, there's a few things like the uh, Jetson thing where you know it will make a marked difference that you know if you want to play it again, you might seek out that alternate kind of pathway, but the narrative is linear. Yeah. It's just the, the journey is a little bit variable. You know? Okay. Yeah. And one of the cool things when I came visited you guys with regard to like how the space is constructed is that you showed me actual manuals from like rockets and yes. space stations and stuff. A, where'd you get those? And B, like how much how do you even interpret that kind of stuff? Like it's yeah. Graham, yes, Graham. Uh, yeah, we, I think we, a lot of them we got off Amazon, some off eBay, stuff like that. Um, they just let you have space stations. Anyone could be making a space station. Pretty right? much, yeah. You just need a big enough garden. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, a lot of them are quite, a lot of them are quite like encyclopedia-ish, you know, and quite mm-hmm. kind of, um, I don't want to say dumbed down, but you know. Dorling Kindersley. Yeah, but <laughs> like, they're, they're, you know, they're kind of like, they're a little bit fluffy in places, but you know the ISS one that we referenced a lot had like every single module, its dimensions, how much it weighed, how it was put into, how it's put up there, how it was joined on, and all that stuff was fascinating. Like what yeah. they were used for, and helped us build a station that hopefully is believable. And that you know, there's loads of equipment everywhere, and no one understands what it means, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't understand what it means. But there's descriptions in there that help kind of set it up so it's like, well, okay, this is what that meant, this is what this module was for, and you know, you can build a little bit of backstory into that. So they were really useful for that, but then also we got things like the Saturn V manual was one of them, much more technical ones, and I think it's actually, a, that one was a reprint, I think, of the actual, one of the Saturn V mission manuals, mm-hmm. I think, and it's just full of graphs and diagrams and like um, cross-sections of bits of machinery and stuff, and that became a real influence of like, well, how do we present when you see the ship as a, a station as a wireframe, oh, it's like, right. well, let's look at these. This is how NASA present them as mm. wireframes, so let's use that style and things like that. So they became a real reference point for art, for story, for mission design. It was just like, let's try and, things, try and find things that are real, but you know, we have to take creative license because mm. you know, none of us are rocket scientists and we're what? not... Yeah, none of us, yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, who knew? <laughs> I can't believe you're not qualified to make this game. I'm I know, so upset. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Graham studied physics at, at uni, so he knows some of it, yeah. That's close. That's <laughs> so close either, to rocket yeah, science. That's enough. all right. Yeah. You're back in. Well, it was astronomy as well, wasn't it, for a yeah. bit? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So all the stars are in the right place as well? No. What? <laughs> back down again. Yeah. <laughs> we need to work on this, yeah. We're going to go and do a PhD first and come back. Um, 
but yeah, that it was trying to find things that felt you take the essence of them to get something believable, you know. And even and then there's real life things like um, we've kind of hinted it in the key art and it's in the, the trailer as well. This kind of hexagonal storm that's at the top of Saturn, right? Um, and that's a real thing, and it looks really weird. Um, and it was like we were trying to work out where where is this going to happen? Is it going to be at Jupiter? Is it going to be at Saturn? We wanted these things to be nearby mm -hmm. um, for this game to take place somewhere not in Mass Effect land. It's going to be somewhere that we're familiar with. Um, and Jupiter's been used heavily by 2001, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. so, and Saturn's got cool rings and this weird hexagon on top. That's it's so, like, well, I don't what do we do? I have even heard of the hexagon oh, yeah, no, storm. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And then it's like, well, how do we pull that into things a little bit? We, yeah. can, we can make something mysterious out of that. We can borrow things from real life and try and turn them into something uh, people go, oh, maybe that's what that meant. In you know? the same way that movies and books made people afraid of the moon, you're just trying to make people afraid of Saturn now. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty weird. Well, it's like, it's like people <laughs> making stuff out of Bermuda Triangle. You know, these yeah. weird things that have, you know, bit of some, some evidence towards them and lots not, but the stuff that is is kind of fun and compelling and we can t take that and make something new from it. You know? That's really cool. Um, and so we did that with the manuals and stuff like that as well. It was like, well, that's the essence of what they're going for. That's roughly how you do this. So let's do a simplified, nice, interactive version of it. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I think we are running slightly over time. So I've only okay. got one more question for you. It's okay. a slight left turn. Have you ever seen The Prestige? Yes. Do you like it? Yeah, it was all right. What? That, that's all you think? <laughs> that's all right then. All right, that's it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's been a while. Uh, mate, you want to come back down in December? We're doing a live screening of it. Oh, okay. We're obsessed with the prestige. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know how it's, it's happened. What? Yeah, I remember it being quite good. Yeah, good. That, uh, who was it that directed that again? That's Nolan. It was Nolan. It's your boy Nolan. It was, yeah. He's pretty good. Right. He knows what he's up to. You're, you're, you can come. Yeah, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> thank you very much. No worries, thank Cheers, you. Cheers, man, that was Cheers. awesome. Houston, do you copy? Houston, come in. Josh, Elsa, anyone, report in. So that's Observation, coming out in 2019, spring 2019, they've said. So we've been told. Like, absolutely bang out on your radar, because it looks and plays amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what else plays amazing, lads? Go on. Little game I like to call Keyword Countdown. don't know what keyword countdown is, IMDb categorised their films by a bunch of crazy keywords. What I've done, or what Sean has done, is taken five films, ten keywords apiece, and a link between them all. What people at home can do, and what you guys can do right here, is guess what those films are by the keywords and what the link is. Sean, you are good at this, because we've done one of yours before, and you lay it out in a way that I don't ask for. I ask for it to be laid out in a different way, but still very good. <laughs> Film number one. Cult film. Brazil. Actor shares first name with character. Oh, oh that's good. That's fantastic. That. Um, Keanu Wick. I don't know who that is. Oh. oh. I don't know who that is in this film. 
Oh, it's not Keanu Wick then. Actress voicing multiple characters. Animatrix. Nightmare Before Christmas. Good versus Evil. I haven't made a single guess yet. Coming of Age. Golden Child. (laughs) Say that so much. Stand by me. Lifting someone into the air. Dirty Dancing. It's good that. Female Hero. Um, Tank Girl. Bodyguard. Muppets. Muppets. Christmas Carol. Oh, uh, fucking Labyrinth. Yes. Oh, well done. They're not Muppets. I think they're made by. They're made the by Jim, Jim Henson. Henson. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's quite loose in there. Baby Goblin King. There you go, Joe. That's three points there. And uh, yeah, famously starring Jareth Bowie. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, who's that then? I have no Actor idea. Famous, who's the what's the name of the actress? Jennifer Connelly. But she's Sarah in she? Labyrinth. Is the baby? Um, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's called Labyrinth. Or is yeah. that act, is that actor called Hoggle? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, so the the kid who plays the baby went to university with um, my mate. I think you saw yeah. me. I just so I was thought you were going to say <coughs> you. My mate, no, no, like puts yeah, that yeah, quite yeah. far away. Appa- yeah, apparently he's a dickhead. Like he's uh, bringing it up all the time. Oh, no, girl, he girls. Yeah, because uh, um, it was like you might have seen me before naked. Well, it's uh, <laughs> they went to the Wimbledon College of like art and design, mm. and they did puppetry and stuff like that. So you just be like, oh well, on the set of Labyrinth, you're a baby. You don't even know. Oh, <laughs> him turning uh, up to Halloween uh, in like yeah. a stripy baby. I love, grow. I, love that? I love working with Muppets. Not yeah. Muppets, mate. Uh, when me and Jim were on the set, no, you weren't. You're a baby. Uh, here we go. Film uh, number two. Based on novel. To Kill a Mockingbird. Road to Perdition. Costume Party. Oh, Eyes Wide Shut. Shut. Quiz oh, Show. Scrooged. Network? No, that's not a quiz show. Love Triangle. Bound by the Wachowskis. Coming of Age. Did you say quiz show? Quiz show, yeah. Slumdog Millionaire? Ooh, that's oh, very good. good guess. Not very one. good guess. I think that's based on a novel as well. And they probably put costumes on as well. Maybe. Female nudity. And it's not Eyes Wide Shut. That's impossible. That's the only film with it. Punched in the face. Oh, it must be good then. Number in title. Seven. <laughs> Thirteen Ghosts. Real game show shown in fictional situation. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> in a glass. Have you clicked that one? I want to know what else is in Yeah. There. Final clue. Uh, University. Oh, uh, start for 10. Well done. Yeah. Well done, Joe. James McAvoy. Yeah, I've never seen that. My, my sister loves it. Not great. No. I read the book for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Rubbish. Two guesses and four points to Joe so far. Film number three. Film starts with text. Mm, Star Wars. Post-apocalypse. Mad Max. Fury Road. <laughs> Looking at oneself in the mirror. Matrix. Yeah, I know. Film starts with text. That does start with text. <coughs> Reference to Mona Lisa. Pop star, never stop, never stopping. <laughs> Neo-noir. Da Vinci Code? Cult film. Memento? Pie? Brainwashing. The Manchurian Candidate? Brazil. Suppression of Emotion. Equilibrium. Yes! Damn it! Well done. 
three points of croups. Uh, the other ones on that, law enforcement, gung fu. Here we go. Film number four. Expression of emotion third from last on Equilibrium. Come on. <laughs> How many other films have that as a plot point? Film number four. He's Because he's given an extra one here. I'm trying to work out which one's the best. Oh. You know, we were just talking about babies in Labyrinth. You want a little baby fact? Yeah. yeah. You know the baby in The Prestige? That's Christopher Nolan's child. Is it? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The kid oh. uh, that calls um, Anchorman... Will Ferrell, a disgrace, is his child as well. Yeah. That's cool. Here we go. Based on short story. Um, turn the screw. Year 2016. 2016? Wow. So specific. <laughs> Title spoken by character. I'm John Wick. <laughs> Bare-chested male. Oh. Hitch. Junkyard. District 9? Father-son relationship. Real Steel. steel. It uh, is Real Steel. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. How did you know that? I don't know. I I've literally not was just about it. to say as well. Why is, I so, suppose father-son relationship is a, key to it. Yeah, a junkyard. But it's the junkyard. It's written by Richard Matheson. Is it? Five Richard Matheson has got some credits, mate. Has he? Well, I Am Legend, um, you know, the famous Twilight Zone episode with the gremlin on the... the oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know, all, mate. Uh, there we go. That's nine points to Joe, three points to Krupa. <coughs> One film left. Colon and title. Mission Impossible. Lifting female in air. I hate that keyword so much. Mother-son relationship. Girl interrupted. No, that's a comma. Death of fiancé. <laughs> that's beautifully put. Mm. Screaming for help. Prison, colon, urs. Airplane. Con air? No. That's a good guess. It's not got colon. Yeah. <laughs> Underwater scene. Banana boat. <laughs> Austin Powers and Spice shacked me. Revenge. Oh! Final clue. Killer shark. Uh, the colon Meg. <laughs> Jaws 2. Revenge of Jaws. I don't know the names of the Jaws uh, films. <laughs> is it a Jaws? Yeah. Jaws 3, this time it's in Barbados. <laughs> Jaws the Revenge. Huh? Jaws 4. Really? Revenge is in the title? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> but you said Jaws 2, I can't give you that. Yeah, I said Jaws 2, <laughs> Revenge of Jaws. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so we've got Labyrinth, start for 10, Equilibrium. Prestige. Real Steel, Jaws of Revenge. All what? actors that have been in the Prestige. Who are they? So in Jaws the Revenge, Michael Caine. Yeah. Real Steel, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Equilibrium, Christian Bale. Yeah. Start of 10, Rebecca Hall. Yeah. yeah. Labyrinth, this is a good one. Yeah. Uh, oh. Ricky J. David Bowie. Oh, 
Oh, did you, I thought you were doing that as a joke. I was letting you get to the punchline. Ricky um, Jay. There was, was another one as well for Ghost in the Shell, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, yeah. He said, I fear, because he, he sent it in, he was like, I've done a keyword countdown for your uh, prestige podcast. He says, I fear th- uh, the link may have been too obvious. Um, it was like your Japan one in Japan. <laughs> yeah. How quickly did you um, get that during that? Um, I hadn't thought about it at all. Uh, Christian Bell equilibrium. Yeah. yeah. Um, there we are. Very, very, very good. Uh, should we have some feedback? Oh, go on then. I think I've got quite a long one, so I'm going to do that first. <coughs> I've got two little ones. i got one. Uh, let me go on Branson Beans one. Okay. It's from Thomas Lindsay Turner. Hi, guys. On the subject of beans, I've just returned to the UK after three months abroad, and I've just sat down to enjoy some Branson Beans on toast. What an absolute belter of a meal. Thanks for the recommendation. Tom from Cardiff. That's his whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I just, just, again, continuing influence. <laughs> I think we, we can send more clippings to Branston. Yeah. I think we They're not one. having it. I've sent this mad email to Branston saying... Like he's a person. Yeah. <laughs> Branston, Hello, ringing him up. Hello, is that, can I speak to Mr. Branston? No, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Branston Beans. <laughs> um, saying, just want to let you know that we love your beans. Please send us... Well, I didn't even say please send us some. I thought maybe they just would. But they just sent an email back going, yeah, we'll forward this on to the market department. Cheers. <laughs> Bastards. Uh, I know you've got two short ones. Have you got the one about the sinner as well? Nah. Okay, we got like the shortest feedback email I've ever seen, which was just the sinner as a subject subject line. Yeah. And then, it's great. <laughs> not even It's, not always, even it's always good to hear from people. That was me. <laughs> uh, uh, go on, then. This is from Simon Mancetti. <coughs> Simon Mancetti. That's a good name. Mm. Football manager and my wedding. Afternoon, guys. Listening to the podcast and Simon's new football manager save reminded me of my failed attempts to get football manager into my wedding day. Also, I remembered you guys mentioned Dale's lost-themed wedding that he's organising. Mm-hmm. I'm due to get married next year, and I really wanted to get something football-related in the wedding somehow. But apparently, it doesn't fit the theme, whatever that means. So I, so I love football and my future wife, Lauren. Oh, sorry. So I love football, and my future wife, Lauren, really fucking hates it. Mainly because I have a season ticket, an obsession with fantasy football, play five aside, have Sky Sports News as my default channel, and I spend way too much time on Football Manager. It's too much. I know. What a lad. <laughs> if, I, if I even watch football, she goes out or has a bath because she hates the football noise. <laughs> Which is a brilliant... Or she just put her that's head in, underwater. That's in, yeah. that's in quotes. Hates the football noise. That's Aww. such a lovely way to put it. So I thought of a clever way to sneak it in. Use the football manager player roles as table names. So we were going to have Libero, Regista, Segundo Volante, Metzala, Carriero, Trecartista and Enganche. I told Lauren they were words from Romeo and Juliet, her favourite film. That's amazing. I opted against false nine and sweeper keeper as I thought I'd be pushing my luck. She thought it was a beautiful <laughs> idea and I was buzzing until she used Google and discovered Libero. He's a more versatile centre-back who sweeps up the ball if an opponent manages to breach the defensive line and that Trecartista means, in Italian football, a creative technical advanced playmakers... Sorry, as creative technical advanced playmakers are not known to be reserved to a single positional. <laughs> not the romantic gesture she was going for. Cheers, Simon. P.S. My little brother Sam was the person that emailed you a while back regarding his Blackbone, Blackburn Rovers save, which kind of started a lot of the Rover stuff. Well done, Simon, and I'm sorry Great that email. you couldn't hoodwink your future so, wife. Cancel the wedding. She sounds like a dickhead. <laughs> probably, love- probably best not to deceive her on a wedding day. Yeah. I, think, I think the phrase, the football noise, is really good. Yeah, it's, really good. I read- it's a very specific noise. Yeah, um, I... Sp- I- mentioned a lot of these terms to Cardi, knew exactly what they were, yeah. gave yeah. very detailed descriptions and player examples. 
It's good. Very good. Segundo Valanda. Um, this is an email from Jamie Martin. Um, despite being a long-time listener of the world's number one prestige podcast, Boom. welcome. I've never actually seen the movie. You guys. However, you well, is, there's a way to rectify that. Yeah. Uh, IGNprestige.eventbrite.co.uk, December 16th, 12 o'clock. So, however, I have now two weeks until I start my new job. And I'm looking to fill my time with some new movies. The Prestige is obviously first on my list. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of movies, but I'm looking for left-field recommendations. So basically movies that are good, but yeah. aren't like always in top, like, you know, top 10 lists and stuff. I um, actually had a, someone message me on Instagram the other day who I really like. Um, and he was like, oh, I haven't watched any films uh, for the last 10 years. Um, he was like, <laughs> I is said it any- Michael Owen. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> is there anything you can recommend? And he was just like, I've, I'll watch The Prestige, don't worry about that. But I was like, well, what other films? They're not in the last 10 years. But I recommended to him a film called After Hours, which is a Martin Scorsese film mm-hmm. that not a lot of people have seen. And it's fucking brilliant. Um, it's Griffin Dunn from American Wolf in London. Oh, yeah. And he basically, it's like everything, he goes on a date and everything the bad can possibly happen happens to him. And it's like, it's a proper farce, but it's written so well and it's just a brilliant brilliant film so i recommended him that and he loved it and also one of my actual favorite films which i think is in my top five um which not a lot of people have seen is cool hand luke i've still never seen cool hand luke incredible film um yeah he liked that we were talking about it yesterday yeah single man every time every time anyone asks like what's your favorite films that pops into my head i think it's absolutely beautiful yeah and like just it will make you so jealous of people with style yeah, uh, like it just looks those glasses like are some amazing. Glasses. It looks like I can never else. pull those off. The yeah. fucking house he lives in. I would just watch a film that's just a tour of that house. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, it annoys me that that's a real place. That's uh, a good. I put good revelation in the mouth of madness because we, we were talking about like um, what was John Carpenter's last good film? Right. I don't think it's a great film, but it's an interesting film. It's yeah. about. Um, have you seen this either in Mouth of Madness? It's no, Sal Neill. He plays an insurance man. And he's, I think his company reps like basically Stephen King. Okay, yeah. A yeah, fictional yeah. Stephen King. And his novel's due and he's gone missing. So right. he's sent to go find him. When he goes to his little like main equivalent town, his novels become real. That sounds and amazing. It, like it, it gets yeah. very Lovecraftian as well. Mm, yeah. Um, so I'd check that out. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. That's really good. If you want something a bit like sillier, I know yeah. you hate the music, but I really like Haywire. I think Haywire is a really yeah. underrated action film. I think it's really good fun. Yeah. And Antonio Banderas is in it being cool with his beard. He should be in way more stuff. I know, it's mad. What yeah. happened? Shrek. It's just puss in boots. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's gone that. What ledge? Awesome. There's some films for you. And final bit of feedback uh, from Neil Sean. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> or Sean. Uh, he says Neil Sean. So maybe that's his name. He's a hacker. <laughs> Hi, guys. With the announcement of the Prestige special event, this will be the perfect time to ask you all one important question. If you became a famous magician, what would be your magic word? What is your abracadabra? Kind regards, Sean. Ooh, good question. That's like asking someone their safe word. <laughs> <laughs> um, there you go. I'm trying to think of like... Have it. Have it. Have it. I'd maybe like to do something Welsh. What do you think? That's good. Uh, corny off is good because that's like, yeah, we fucking go. But is it? yeah, it like corny off. That's um, I think it's really good. I like that. I was yeah. um, little, again, the bit of um, prestige trivia. Yeah. But you, I want you to, like, I read this today. I want you two to decide whether this is actual trivia or people looking too hard. Yeah. Alfred Borden, yeah. Richard Angier, Robert Angier. Yeah. Robert, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Spells Abra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coincidence? I mean, or patterning? Considering what I haven't read the book, yeah. But considering what you've told me, the book, it mm. seems like silly enough that it could be a part yeah. of that 
like slightly more like sillier tale yeah. than it originally was. I found a really good like talking to people looking too much into things, but I found a really good uh, thing on Reddit the other day about the Prestige, and it's really really early on. There's a shot of Christian Bale um, watching. I think it's when he goes up to do the uh, the bird. No, no, it's earlier than that. Hmm. Um, but it's basically a shot of him in the theater, and next to him is a man that looks exactly like him, basically. Um, because he's going up to, I think he's got all the makeup on, and the person next to him hasn't got hardly anything on, but it looks like Christian Bale. And people are like, did they give away the twist like this early on? Um, it's absolutely not. It just oh, looks, right. It just, it just looks a tiny bit like him, um, which is really funny. But yeah, if you like the sound of the prestige, come to the Rio in Dalston on Sunday, December 16th at 12 p.m. Then listen to us talk about it. iGemPrestige.eventbrite.co.uk. God, it's going to be good. It is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think tickets are selling pretty fast. So if I were you, I would get one. Um, thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye. This is the IGN UK podcast. My name is Gav Murphy. I'm joined by Joe Scrubbles what? and Daniel J. Krupa. Yes, hello. What? Start again because I literally hit record right when you started. Uh, yeah. All right, but you're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking joke. Absolute joke.